This podcast is made possible by Optimizely. Optimizely is the leader in progressive delivery and experimentation. Our platform includes feature flagging, progressive rollouts, and A-B testing. We help your teams release software quickly, then test and learn in production before rolling out to all users. Using the Optimizely full stack platform puts product managers at the center of the product development process, allowing you to de-risk big ideas, make bold bets, and build better products. Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Hi, everybody. My name is Kenneth Berger. These days, I'm an executive coach to startup leaders, but five years ago, almost to the day, in fact, I was walking out the door after an extremely stressful year at Slack. Honestly, I felt unsafe, I felt unvalued, I felt powerless. Now, I'll be the first to admit that Slack is one of the best companies around, well known for its strong values. So what explains this? Because it's not just me. I hear this story over and over, coaching startup leaders in all kinds of companies. Burnout is an epidemic in the tech world, and it's only getting worse with the advent of COVID. So why are people still burning out despite having every privilege and mostly good intentions from their companies? Well, values are everywhere in the tech world, but they're usually not taken very seriously. Often they're uncontroversial. I mean, come on, no one's gonna argue against integrity or quality. Often they're printed on a poster on a wall somewhere, but they're not necessarily embodied in the company's hiring, firing, feedback processes. I mean, the things that actually make those values real. So unless you were at Uber in 2017, people probably haven't been talking a lot about your company values. And it turns out that the operationally focused values of most tech firms like customer focus or look for the data don't necessarily address the human element of building a great company. It's already personally stressful being a leader in tech. And all of a sudden, with so many of us struggling to adapt to the change in the world right now, those human values are now front and center, as they should be. So to me, it begs the question, what does the world need right now? What value should we be standing for as leaders in our companies? And I'll tell you, it's not the usual product company chestnuts, right? The customer focused or fail fast or whatever it is. It's time to focus on the human beings that make up these companies and give these human beings what they need. A lot of us are hurting right now. And honestly, taking care of each other as human beings, it's just the right thing to do. But it isn't just a humanitarian gesture, right? In my work as a coach, I find... The things holding companies back usually aren't really the tactical operational stuff. Usually at the root, the problems are human problems. I don't feel safe. I don't feel valued. I don't feel empowered. I don't feel fulfilled. 
Unfortunately, probably a lot of you have felt one or even all of those at work at some point. So you already know how hard it is to get anything done under those circumstances, right? That kills productivity, right? So when you take care of those basic human needs first, we free up hearts and our minds to focus on the work. So what does the world need right now? Well, I will tell you, to feel safe, to feel valued, to feel empowered, to feel fulfilled, and to make an impact. So let's walk through these values one by one. First, to feel safe. You know, safety is something a lot of us took for granted until the advent of COVID-19, right? Even if we were physically safe before, we certainly weren't always psychologically safe uh, in the radical candor sense. You know, our sense of safety comes in part from basics like food and shelter, but most of us in the tech world are privileged enough to not have to worry about that. So in practice, often what makes us feel unsafe is not having strong relationships with the people around us. I mean, if we don't trust our coworkers, how can we truly feel safe? Which brings me back to Slack. So I was so, so lucky to join Slack when I did. I mean, I was their first product manager. I joined right after launch. I was working for this famous product CEO. And for me, I was coming off a rough experience at my own startup. So I was ready to put my head down and work, which is why it was so disappointing when six weeks after I joined or something like that, I got an email one Sunday night from the CEO saying, hey, you know, seems like things aren't working out. Just let me know how you want to wrap things up. I panicked, of course. I wrote back frantically begging for my job, promising to make everything right, doing whatever he needed. And the next day, lo and behold, I had my job back. But not really, right? Because after that email, I never really trusted him again. I spent a year in one-on-ones, never, never saying how I really felt. Afraid to open my mouth, afraid to express my feelings, certainly afraid of the consequences. Now, it's easy to blame your boss. So in retrospect, it was just as hard for him to trust me as it was for me to trust him. I mean, I was taking away his baby. Ultimately, he was a product CEO who didn't like being separated from every detail of the product. It was a difficult moment for him too. So in the end, neither of us trusted one another and neither of us put in the work, the vulnerability to build that trust. Maybe, just maybe, if I'd remembered that CEO, that famous figure, was just simply another human being trying his best, I could have found the courage to say something and get beyond that distance to make a deeper connection. So to help other people feel safe, show you care about them personally as human beings. We're social animals, so we need that emotional connection, that sense of trust. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends, of course, but don't put up that wall of professionalism between you either, right? You gotta remember that every single person out there has a life story just as complex and worthy as your own. And they're just as much a mess, right? Of thoughts and feelings and stories and you know who knows what else in there. Um, so show them that you care about them as more than a manager, a peer or direct report. Show them that you care about them as a human being. All right, so what else do people in the world need right now? 
Number two, to feel valued. A lot of people are being laid off right now, even in as prosperous an industry as technology. And if you've never been laid off, as I have been quite a few times, you know that it can really eat away at your sense of worth. We tell ourselves stories that we failed, that we're failures, or that our former employer is deluded and never appreciated our massive contributions. Either way, it's clear how much we as human beings need to be valued. So yes, ideally we would know our own worth regardless of what others say, but that can be a long journey of personal growth to find that place. And in the meanwhile, it's not vanity to want your thoughts and feelings to be acknowledged and validated. It's deeply human to want others' approval. So that brings me back to my own stressful startup story. You know, when I founded YesGraph, I did it with an old friend from grad school. So we'd known each other for 10 years, but we were very, very, very different despite being friends for so long. He was the engineer, very quantitative, and I was kind of more of the designer, very qualitative, creative. So we brought different things to the company. It seemed like a great partnership despite the differences. But of course, with those differences, we argued. I mean, running our own company, every decision seemed potentially make or break, like backing down might be the beginning or the end of everything. So we argued, but we never really sought to deeply understand our differences. We just wanted to be right. I mean, it felt so important, like being right was going to fix everything. But what was really important was our relationship. You know, in, in the beginning, our story wasn't much. You know, it was our relationship that the investors, the employees, and the customers were really buying into. And not valuing each other, including our differences in perspective, in the way we contributed, in the, what we brought to the company, that's what tore our partnership apart. I ended up leaving after a year, and we've barely spoken since. So to help others feel valued, you got to ask about and acknowledge their experience. It's easy to tear down someone's idea in a meeting or dismiss someone without an explanation beyond it's just business. But how are they going to feel afterwards? How's that going to impact your relationship? And how's that going to impact your ability to just get anything done? Like relationships are business in some sense. So you can ask about and acknowledge their experience, even if you don't agree, even if it won't change your opinion. In doing that, you're valuing the person over the opinion, right? Because the opinion, it's going to go, right? You're going to forget about it, you know, not too long. But the person, that human being, they're going to remain, right? Those relationships can last a lifetime across multiple companies, across the personal and the professional realm. So instead of putting up that wall, try this out. Like, I don't agree with this approach, but I can see you worked hard on it. And I understand your argument. I just happen to see things differently. Or in a layoff, you could say, today's layoffs don't change at all the important contributions you've made to this company and to our mission. I'm really sorry it ended this way, but I want you to know that you can feel proud of the work you did here. So thank you. So what else does the world need? To feel empowered. Now, in theory, empowerment is easy. Just ask for what you want and say no to what you don't want. Easy as that. In practice, it is more complicated. Many of us fear the consequences, real or imagined, of saying what we want out loud. 
it's vulnerable showing ourselves in that way and opening ourselves up to disappointment if we don't get what we want. On the flip side, many of us feel entitled to a yes and won't really take no for an answer. You know, we put our foot down and expect to have things our way. Which brings me to a story from my time at Adobe. See, I started at Adobe when I was straight out of grad school, 22 years old, and I was lucky enough to have a series of managers who gave me a very long leash to do what I wanted. I mean, I got to really do things my own way. And that brought me plenty of success early on there. You know, I brought in research as a core part of product development. I felt so safe, so valued, so confident, right? That was, that was my early happy place. But I was at Adobe eight and a half years. Over time, all that freedom, you know, made me entitled. And that confidence really turned into hubris. Because those yeses started feeling like something I deserved rather than something I earned. I worked hard when I felt inspired, but I slacked off, I slacked off a lot when I didn't. And even at my lowest productivity, my manager's feedback stayed mostly positive, believe it or not. I mean, I imagine it felt easier than calling out the elephant in the room, which was that I wasn't nearly living up to my potential. Eventually, I graduated to a manager who wasn't as shy about asking for what he wanted, and true to form, I mostly ignored it. So it wasn't really a surprise when I was eventually called into his office and I found a layoff package on the desk. Sure, I felt empowered all that time in my own way, but that only mattered to the extent I made the people around me feel empowered too. Ultimately, I was prioritizing myself over the success of my manager, and ultimately the broader team and the company. So if you want to help others feel empowered, ask what they want and respect their answers. Sure, not everybody's gonna get what they want, but make sure they get a chance to say it out loud. Because even if you can't say yes, you can treat their ass respectfully. Most importantly, you wanna respect other people's boundaries. No means no, and that's not just for the serious boundaries around sexual harassment or worse. Right now, when stress levels are high, this is not the time to be sending Sunday night Slack messages if your agreement is to keep working regular hours. Even these small agreements, they mean a lot, right? It shows respect. You know, I've been reflecting lately on the opening line of the novel Anna Karenina. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Now that the challenges of COVID have turned pretty much all families unhappy to one degree or another, it's highlighted exactly how different each of our challenges are. For some of us, fear of sickness is the prime concern. For others, it's money to pay the rent. For others, it's just boredom or general anxiety. If you want to help your employees right now, you have to ask them what they want. And you have to really listen. So what have your team has been asking for lately? And what new needs are emerging now in our age of COVID-19? So number four, what else do people need? To feel fulfilled, of course. You know, a lot of people come to me wanting to be a different kind of leader, more inspiring, more influential, with a certain indefinable presence. 
And while certainly some of their ambition is admirable, much of it comes from kind of a darker place, a feeling that they're just not quite good enough the way they are. Even worse, that leader they're trying to become is often a terrible stereotype, a confident, outspoken, well-connected, tall, handsome white man. Well, screw that, right? I mean, while company values can be a powerful tool for building strong cultures, often they don't consider the fact that people's personal values vary considerably. And that's a very good thing. Yes, establishing shared values is important, but so is making space for your employees to honor them in diverse ways. That diversity enables exactly the complementary working relationships that make for the most effective teams. The healthiest cultures strike a balance. And that interplay between shared company values and the diverse ways that people honor them is kind of magic. Kind of brings me to how I got into coaching, actually. When I left Slack, everyone was eager to hear the secret to their success. And frankly, I was equally eager to sell them the answers. So, you know, I started consulting for startups, helping with product strategy. But what I found was that my advice's value was really limited. Right? I mean, all those quote unquote secrets just depended so much on the particular context, like who the company was, what the time was in the market, who I was, my values, all the people on the team, all these things that were very particular to the context and the people involved. So it didn't necessarily make any sense at all for the culture of the company I was serving, let alone the personal values of the key players who would actually be doing the work to make it happen. So ultimately, I was going to be leaving and moving on to the next project. And that's how I began the shift from consulting to coaching, when I realized that giving them the answers wasn't really solving anything. They needed to find solutions that fit their own values, not easy answers from some outside expert. So to help others feel fulfilled, let them honor their personal values, even or especially at work. What I found is that the quantum leaps in leadership don't come from trying to be somebody else. They come from being ever more yourself, honoring your own personal values at work, not turning your volume down, trying to be someone else, but turning the volume up so that others can really hear what you uniquely have to offer. So I'm curious, what personal values are you folks honoring at work? All right, last up, what does the world need? To make an impact. So what's the point of all these values anyway, right? You know, it's not just to make everyone feel warm and fuzzy. In the end, in our goal is to have an impact, build great products, follow our mission, make a mark on the world. Yet, especially in collaborative work, AKA product work, what impact means can be a little bit hazy. Like just because someone's busy all day doesn't mean they're getting their job done. And just because someone's not on 24 seven doesn't mean they're not a linchpin in their own way. And often we don't really have a reliable feedback loop anyway, between whatever offhand comments you get in meetings and those usually infrequent official reviews. So let me share a story about feedback, right? You don't get much as a solo entrepreneur. I mean, early in my coaching career, I was trying to sell coaching like a SaaS product because that's what I knew. So I bought a CRM, I built a list of leads, I built templates and drip emails. And one of the people on my list was a famous VC who I'd had one short meeting with years ago. And at that point, 
most people weren't responding to my impersonal form emails. So I really didn't know how they were landing other than that people weren't responding. But this VC, to his credit, he did reply. He told me exactly how it made him feel. And it definitely was not good. He told me how he was really coming across. Defensive, needy. He showed me my real impact with these emails. And it wasn't pretty thinking about not just him, but all those other people that had been receiving these. So it hurt. But that day, I swore that I would make my marketing as personal and meaningful as my coaching. And that is why I'm here on video bearing my heart instead of sending you form emails. So to help others make an impact, you have to give them feedback on how they impact you personally. Often the advice we hear on feedback at work is to not make it personal. We just want to find the best solution. It doesn't matter whose idea it is. Yet, if you want to maximize your impact, how can feedback not be personal? The problem with direct feedback isn't that it's impolite. It's that most places don't take care to put their employees in the emotional place to be able to hear it. If you feel safe, valued, empowered, and fulfilled, it is a lot easier to hear that someone doesn't like one of your many ideas. On the other hand, if you're living in fear of being fired from your soul-sucking job because you feel like nothing's going to your work and you're not to do anything about it because you need money, then of course, of course, feedback is hard to hear, right? You can barely hear anything over the voices in your head. But given the right emotional environment, we can get far richer feedback about our impact. What's the most important feedback you've received at work? If you're not jealous of your colleagues' accomplishments because you feel safe and valued, it's a lot easier to congratulate them on their success. Thank them for an especially insightful comment or even hear whatever negative feedback they might have to offer. It also opens up the idea of emotional feedback. Sure, you've probably gotten tactical feedback on your work from your colleagues, but have they told you that your ideas made them nervous or angry or sad or disappointed even? By bringing those emotions from the unconscious to the conscious realm, they become business problems that you can just solve like any other, rather than these emotional landmines you hit when you least expect them. So that's it. Five values to honor the people you work with. Help them feel safe. Help them feel valued. Help them feel empowered, feel fulfilled, and make an impact. With those in place, you can build a team that can achieve anything. So that's all I have for today. But I would love to hear from you to keep the conversation going. So feel free to comment or reach out to me directly at kberger.com. This podcast is made possible by Optimizely. To learn more about how you can get started with progressive delivery and experimentation, visit www.optimizely.com. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.